trust you all are doing well, enjoying your Labor Day weekend. So I enjoyed mine yesterday. So as I went down the Chattahoochee River with my honey, and as my, my mom said, Robin, do you do that? Every now and then, Mark liked to throw y'all for a little bit of a curve. So we are city people, but every now and then we pull this country mode on you. So I don't know if tubing is a country thing, but we tube nonetheless. I did it a little bit like a princess. I tethered my tube to Mark's and gave him the stick, and I just floated down the river. So he navigated. He got us unstuck. He took us over the rocks. He fell in the water often. I got out relatively dry. So... It was a good day. So if you're going to go tubing, that is the way to do it. So anyway, I believe it's going to be a good word today. How many of you have enjoyed the Days of Noah series? Yeah, it was great. I love it. So this kind of comes on the heels of that. It's not necessarily a part of that series. Um, so it won't be packaged with that. But it, it has been where my brain has gone over the past several weeks as we've been navigating what it's going to look like when Jesus returns as it relates to what was going on in the days of Noah. Um, so this is just kind of where... My brain went from all that. That was a lot of stuff, wasn't it? So lots of lots of note taken, lots of stuff on the screen that happened. And so um, I hope that when you all come in this house and you get words during the, the hour and a half, two hours that you're here, I hope that you are also leaving that door and taking them with you and letting God bring revelation to you and speak to you. If you come in here and it's only about what you get during these two hours, that's great. But how many of you know that God is alive and he's breathing and he wants to have his way inside you and his word is active. So when you leave, take it with you, meditate on the word of God, the Bible says, so that it produces for you. So um, let's get started. I'm going to start with um, another opportunity that Mark and I had to really trip people up and make them think that we were something that we're not when it comes to the outdoor. Several years ago, we went to Gatlinburg, um, and we... we went down, we, we were driving from Pigeon Forge to Gatlinburg, and we saw a little sign, and it said, trail here, and Michael and Olivia had gone hiking, and we just thought, it's a good thing, it's a good thing to go hiking, it's a good thing to be outdoors, get, get some vitamin D, all that stuff, so we pulled off on this little road, and we found about, I don't know, maybe it was a half mile little low-lying um, hiking trail that we went on. I had on sandals. He had on, I don't know, maybe a pair of vans. And we take off on this flat, beautifully lined with pebbles and little brook trail. We so enjoyed that day being outside with the canopy of the trees that was keeping the sun from roasting us and just along the little edge of the mountain. We didn't see bears. It just, we're like, we probably are hikers and don't even know it. Like, it's just probably who we are. And so I said, honey, to the non-map expert, I said, honey, go find us a trail. Let's do this again tomorrow. Let's just make a whole day of it. Um, and so he said, yeah, let's do it. And so he looked on the map and found a trail that had three 
water falls on it. Now, now, granted, we've never hiked ever. Like even when we dated and were young and actually fit and able, we had not hiked. Um, but I mean, it, it was peaceful the first day, and the pictures on the map of the waterfalls that were coming were glorious. They just were like things I had never seen before. So I'm just a South Georgia flatland kind of girl, and um, so I'm in the mountains of Tennessee, and I'm like, let's do it. So the next day, I knew not to wear sandals, um, but I didn't have, I mean, I don't know what shoes you hike in, but I got what I had, and they, I think it was a pair of Tevas. So they were kind of like sandals, but I mean, those are outdoor sandals. Right, so I had those on. Mark put his vans back on. We drive to just this beautiful, glorious site that we're about to behold. And about half a mile in, I realized this is not the same thing that yesterday was, y'all. About half a mile in, I realized I couldn't breathe. Mark couldn't breathe. That the altitude had changed. We weren't just. It wasn't just just joyfully walking. I mean, we were climbing boulders. We were having to stop. He was having to get behind me and hoist me up the mountain. I mean, just rocks were there all the way up. I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh. But we came to one waterfall and I was like, that, isn't that beautiful? That's I was like, surely we want to go see the biggie, right? We're going to the biggie. And he said, yeah, absolutely. People started passing us. They had sticks. We didn't know you hiked with sticks, like big sticks. People had backpacks on their back. They had canteens that they were carrying of water and snacks. I was like, why would people hike with all that extra stuff? Five hours later, <laughs> I know why they have water and food, necessities like toilet paper were probably in the backpack. So it just was, it was a trip and a half. And I was like, if you ever get me off this mountain, don't you ever bring me back here again. Ever. The sun was starting to set. We would cross people who were running. They ran there and then they were running back before we had ever even got there. And they would pass us and we were just like, how much further? to the top. Oh, it's just right around the corner. Keep going. Right around the corner. Hours later, right around the corner. The sun had started to set. We hadn't, we, we did make it to the top. It was glorious. It was beautiful, right? It was all the things, but the sun was setting. I'm like, the bears are going to come. Somebody's going to have to come rescue us. Like we've got to get off. We passed a little lady on the way when we were down, she was on the way up. She had all her right equipment, but she was old, like older than me. And I'm like, Mark, you got to tell her. He said, no, just tell her right around the corner. I said, honey, <laughs> She is going to get lost. Like, she will be up there. We got back from that trip. And when we got back, I literally had to go to the orthopedic, and I was booted. So I, I think I broke my foot. They did not decree that over me, but that is what it felt like. And I had to wear a boot because of that trip. So, um, but in that, I will say this about, it's about to tie in. So there are some glorious things that God has for each and every one of you. Somewhere along the line of our Christianity, we have, we have fallen prey to the belief that you only seek God that moment that you meet him. 
that moment that you need to be born again. It's something that we take the little cards that Mark's handed us and, and we're going to pray for people that we hand them to and we're going to pray, God, let them seek your face when they open up this QR code. Let them come to know you. It's a term that we've just delegated to that. But when I look back over the life of Noah and the generations that Mark laid out where people were supposed to be telling of the greatness of God, of what, what, what would lie ahead if they would continue on with him, where people were supposed to be seeking him and we find thousands of them outside of a boat where they are literally drowning because of the judgment of God that's coming forth. Sometimes I think we, we've done ourselves an injustice by believing that knowing him is a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing. It is a continual thing. And just as those generations lost, they lost the ability to tell stories. They lost the, the passion with which they told them. A generation of people lost a hunger to seek him and to know him. They had known him before. They had, had seen him do great acts. But yet there was just Noah who, who was going to make it. And that whole series showed us people outside the cross, people outside the boat. And the Bible will go on. We'll get to there in a little bit. It's going to be just like that when the Son of Man returns. And, you know, it's not just going to be sinners who are standing outside. There is potential for you to only go so far with, with God. And so this morning what I want to do, I want to stir some curiosity in you that there is more than just a minute in heaven that is coming later. There is more than that for you. There, there are things that God has that if you will seek him, you will find him. Let's look at the word seeker real quickly and see what it says. First slide, guys. A person attempting to find or obtain something. And I'm asking you today to search your heart, to search your mind, to, to open up your heart to the possibilities that lie ahead if you were to seek God for something. Just to seek him. It's one of the things that if you come to me for prayer that quickly comes out of my mouth when we're standing at this altar. Maybe before I've heard your whole story, before I know what's going on, it's just something that sits in my heartbeat for, for people that I'm praying for up here with whatever problem they come up for. You know, there's only so much you can download in an altar. And the first thing that normally pops up in my head is, oh gosh, go seek him. You're going to find him. Whatever this need is, whatever the root of it is, whatever lack you're experiencing this morning, if you'll just go seek him. And I lay my hands on people and it's what I pray because the Bible says that he's not hiding. The Bible says he's a rewarder. The Bible says if we seek him, he gives us everything that we need. And it doesn't just come to us because we had a moment where we said, Jesus, I believe that you're my Lord. I believe that you're my savior and I believe that I'm going to enter in and be able to spend eternity with you. It's bigger than that. Some of you have some bigger, broader moments with the Lord that are out there, but you're not seeking him and you're ending up in lack. Some of you have bigger moments in your marriage. Some of you have stories with God that are yet to be told that you've yet to find and bump into because somewhere along the way, you've stopped seeking him. You got comfortable with where you're at. And so my challenge to you today is let's stir ourselves and let's, let's pick up maybe a stick, maybe a backpack, maybe some canteens, maybe we'll need toilet paper 
paper along the way. But let's at least get our feet where we are ready and willing and able to go after everything that God has for us so that we're not a generation that falls behind in the promises of God that potentially, and we'll get to it at the end of the sermon, can potentially wipe us out can potentially rob us of our faith and rob us of our walk with him. Go to the next slide, please. The scripture says this in Matthew 6, If we seek the kingdom of God above all else, above all else, and live righteously, he's going to give us everything we need. Can you imagine having everything you need? I know there are needs that came in that door this morning. I know there are needs for peace because some of you are in storms. I know there's need for financial blessings because some of you have bills to pay that your pocketbooks declare that you can't. I know there are needs for for health issues in this house. Can you imagine having everything you need? And the Bible says that it's a promise if we seek him. If we seek him, he will give us everything we need. The next scripture says this, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. How many of you walk around holding the rewards of God in your hand? How many of you go to bed just coupled with the rewards of God in your arms and wake up in the morning just thankful, able to declare his praises because he has rewarded your life so much? How many of you, when people look at your life, they're like, gosh, they're walking in some kind of reward that that I don't have or I don't possess. He's got a bucket load of stuff for us, people. A bucket load of stuff for us to obtain if we will just seek him. So that's where we're going to go today. We're going to go look at a little man named Zacchaeus. For those of you who were born again or as, or as, or you are as old as I am and you went to Sunday school in the 80s, you probably have a felt board memory, right? Or Mark probably did a puppet show for us. I'm not going to ask him to come. He probably has a puppet named Zacchaeus. So anyway, he was just the wee little man. Remember, we're going to talk about the wee little man a minute and his encounter with God when he began to seek him. So um, are y'all ready? All right, let's go. Luke 19.1 says this. Jesus entered Jericho. We're going to stop along the way as we're talking. Y'all good with that? All right, so don't jump ahead. We're in the first verse. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. The thing that I've noticed about Jesus is he's always making his way through. He's always passing by. And when we begin to study the Bible, we open it up and we begin to look at the people and the characters, the names that God actually gave us. There were people who actually stopped God along his way where there were zero intentions. The Bible does not say that he was going to this town to stop and have a meeting and preach on a hillside. He is making his way through Zacchaeus's area. Every Sunday, it's my belief, because two or three are gathered here in his name, that Jesus makes his way through this place. Every Sunday, I believe he does. 
And I wonder how many of us every Sunday just let him pass by. Just let him pass by. I don't want to be a person who just lets him pass by, his rewards pass by, his blessings pass by, his name pass by, his power pass by, his provision pass by. None of that. I don't want to do that with my life. I don't want to see you all do that either. So that's why we're talking about this. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. In other words, he didn't really have lack displayed in his life. He had a name. He had a title. He had prestige in this town. He was not a man who had need. Some of us, that is a presenting problem for us because we sit in places that have deceived us into thinking that there is no need here. We spend our wills and we spend our years chasing titles chasing things that we think are going to satisfy, chasing relationships that we think are going to satisfy, chasing homes, houses, trinkets, all the little things that our eyes get dazzled by. And we think this is going to bring us satisfaction and we waste years. I don't know how old Zacchaeus was here. But I know that he was curious enough that despite his title, despite the things that he had, despite his provision, despite his wealth, there was something that was stirring in him. And my prayer is that that is the same thing with you, that when you come here week in and week out or in your walk with God, that there would always be this thing churning on the inside of you that says there is more of him to know. I need more. I want more. I am ready for more. I don't want there to be a stop place in my life where I'm 21 and I think I know it all and I have it all and I've seen it all, or then I'm 30 and I think, nope, I know it all and I've seen it all and I've got it all, or I'm 35 or 40, or now that I'm 50, I would think that this is all of God that there is. No, God is so much broader, so much taller, so much deeper, so much wider than anything my brain has ever comprehended that I wake up every morning thinking, I need more of you. I want more of you. Show me your face today. Show me who you are today. And this was the heart of Zacchaeus. He didn't know it, but there was a curiosity burning on the inside of him to want to know more of Jesus. Life has taught it to me like this. I don't believe for a minute that God sends circumstances my way that are contrary to the things that he has paid for on the cross. I don't believe he sends sickness my way. I don't believe he sends strife my way. I don't believe he sends chaos my way. I do believe that as a human, I bump into a very um, chaotic world that the enemy roams in and out of, stirring and seeking and trying to divide and trying to conquer. And I bumped into that on more than one occasion. And I promise you this, every time I bump into a circumstance that is contrary to what I know God to be for me, who I know him to be, my eyes have been opened. My heart has been opened. My brain has expanded when I got a cancer diagnosis and saw him come through for me. My 
my vision of God expanded, who he was expanded. I would have never known him as, as healer. I would have never known him as restorer. I would have never known him as provider, except that I face a situation and come into a spot where I have to cling to him. I have to seek him to know him. I have to seek him to have all of him deposited on the inside of me. And that is the kind of faith, the kind of people that we need to be. We need to be people. He is not done with me yet. He's not done with what he has to do in me and through me. And he is not done displaying himself to my little brain that constantly wants to box him into a spot or box him into a purpose or box him into just whatever whatever picture of him I can get. There is an eye-to-eye relationship that I want with him where I see him and I know him and he's expanding and he's moving and he's breathing and he's sharpening me and I'm figuring out this thing of who he is. It's what we do when we seek him. We have to seek him. Let's move to the next scripture. The Bible says this about Zacchaeus. He tried to get a look at Jesus. Now, I don't know if he's sitting in an office building. He hears Jesus is coming to town. He's probably heard a lot about him. He thinks maybe he's walking down the street. He, tr- he wanted to see him. He tried to look at Jesus. When is the last time you have tried to look at Jesus? Not tried to hear a good sermon. Not tried to make it to church on time. Not tried to impress somebody with a worship lyric. The last time you really tried to see him, this is what trying to see him looks like. I have two daughters who are left who are still dating. And and they're every so often, every so often they'll come to the family group chat with this, oh my gosh, somebody just slid in my DMs. What that means for all of you who are older than me, it means somebody somebody's talking to them on some sort of social media. And if you think that their mama or their daddy or the rest of their sisters or their brother-in-laws don't go hog wild on the moment that that happens and try to figure out who this person is, our eyes are just set on that social site like glue. They don't have to tell us the guy's last name. We can locate him. We can find out if he has a mother and a father who are living, if his parents know the Lord, what his parents' social media account looks like. Is he tall? Is he short? Is he whatever race he is? Has he finished college? Has he gone to college? Does he have money? Does he have a job? Does he have a GED? What he did in his childhood, was he an athlete? Was he not an athlete? Does he play music? Is he on a worship team? Is he a pastor's child? Is he not a pastor's child? Is his parent an accountant? I mean, on and on and on. We can figure out more about that poor child than my two girls can. Why? Because we want to set our eyes. It is important. It is important for us to set on our, our eyes on whatever may come their way. This is what Zacchaeus was feeling. He's like, I want to see Jesus. I want to know, is he tall? Is he short? Is he handsome? Can I, can I bump into him today? What does he look like? I want to see him. When's the last time your heart just pounded? Just pounded with just that, oh my gosh, I've got to get my eyes on him. I've got to get where he is. 
I know that this church, you can see me just as well on the back row as you can on the front. This is no slam to back row people. Some of us are back row Christians, though. The things of God sweep by us, in front of us all the time, and we're just as content as we are not to really get in the river, just to kind of stand, stand back and watch. We watch things come. We watch things go. Some of us are content to watch it in everybody else's life except our own. We're content with somebody else's story, somebody else's vision of Jesus, somebody else's sermon, someone else's testimony of what God did in their marriage and in their relationships, somebody else's testimony of how he healed their finances, somebody else's story. Let me tell you something. June Evans and Diana McCravey set me up just fine when it came to knowing the things of the Lord. I had two mothers who just poured into me constantly. I had pastor's wives before Mark and I pastored. Linda Stern, Ann Burns set me up pristinely as I watched their life. There was nothing in those moments of my younger years that thought, I'm totally satisfied with that. I'm just satisfied with all June's stories. I'm satisfied with what God did for my mama. I'm satisfied. I mean, Phil and Linda, they're great people. I love her as a pastor's wife, and yeah, I love her stories. Same thing with Ann's Burns. You know what I wanted? I wanted my own stories. I, I needed my own firsthand with Jesus, not secondhand leftovers. And some of us are just content with that. We never are the first to rush in and run and jump in the river first. We're never the first to bust through the church doors. We're never the first to say, I've got something to say. We're never the first to say, God, use me. We just sit back and we're content just to wait and let everyone else. It's just not the life I wanted, and it's not the life that I want for you. God has things for you. There are gifts that he wants to deposit into you who are sitting in this room today. He has gifts of peace, gifts of longevity, gifts of joy, gifts of relationships, gifts of health, gifts of provision, gifts of talent. Some of you are probably world changers and you don't even know it. Some of you have things to say, but you don't know how to pick up a microphone and get it out. There are gifts on the inside of you and he wants to lavish you with them. But you have to be willing to seek him like Zacchaeus was. The Bible goes on to say, but there it is. We've all got one. I'm not really talking about this one. But we all have a but, an excuse. The Bible says, but he was too short. He was too short to see over the crowd. We all have an excuse for all of you who have trauma that you want the t-shirt that says, here's my trauma. And listen, I'm not trying to downplay trauma. I know there's some pretty traumatic, horrible things that can go on in people's lives. I understand there are things that we need healing for in our mental health. I understand that people can be abusive. They can be abandoned. They can be neglected. I do get all that. I don't mean this tritely. He was short. It was his trauma. You know what he did? He ran ahead anyway. There is some trauma that you may have on your life. Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been abandoned. Maybe you are broke. Maybe you are insecure. Maybe you are an introvert. Maybe you don't know how to open up your mouth and talk. Maybe you feel like you don't have enough, have never had enough, will never have enough. Maybe your parents left you. Maybe whatever. You know what you do? You pick up your big girl pants and you put them on and you run anyway. Some of you, it's time that you climb a tree. 
to know the Lord. It's time you find your tree and you climb it anyway. He didn't sit there and say, if God wants to know me, he's just going to show up in my office. He could have said that. He could have said, isn't he the kind of God that seeks me? That's what I thought the Bible said. I thought the Bible said the kindness of God just reaches forth and calls for me before I ever call for him. He didn't do that. He climbed a tree. He did what he had to do to see Jesus. Some of you need to do what you got to do to see Jesus. Some of you need to stop waiting on him to just dump things in your lap. And you need to take the first step. You need to go towards him. The Bible says, seek me, you find me. Seek him in your brokenness. He doesn't care. He wasn't asking for Zacchaeus to be some great, perfect man. He was a cheat, a liar, a tax collector, had a lot of things wrong in his life. And he climbed the tree anyway. Climb the tree anyway. Do what you have to do anyway. Stop making excuses for your intimacy with the Lord. Stop making excuses and wearing the badge that I just can't because. I don't care what the because is. Stop making those kinds of excuses if you want him to meet your need. You give, you take the step. He ran ahead, he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. He sought to see the Lord. When's the last time you have sought to see the Lord? Not his hand, you've sought to see him. You've sought to take a look at him the next Scripture, when Jesus came by, I love this about Jesus. I love that this is who he is. He came by. He looked up at Zacchaeus. Thousands of people in the street who went to see Jesus. It reminds me of the woman with the issue. The one who just reached out and touched him. Of the thousands there... I mean, Jesus just walking through, passing by, and just, oh, there's a man in a tree. And it moved him to stop. There was nobody whispering in Jesus' ear, hey, up ahead, there's going to be a man up in a tree. Don't know why he's there, but it may be a good opportunity. Maybe do a little show. Nothing like that was going on. Jesus stopped, he looked up, and he called him by his name. When you begin to seek Jesus, you can be promised that he will see you. It doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't go unchecked. It doesn't go without all of the angels and God and Jesus being right there. That's why he says, seek me and you're going to find me. He's not some mean God who's playing hide-and-go-seek with us with zero reward. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, Stella loves hide-and-go-seek. She likes hide-and-go-seek in the dark. She and Victoria Kate both, even at their ages, they love hide-and-go-seek. So I think Sophia and Olivia like it too. It's like just this thing. You know what I hate? I hate seeking 
just seeking over and over. I'm not a good seeker. I'm not a hunter. I don't like, I don't like to go shopping in places where there's just like rows and rows and rows. I know some of you like that. I don't like the rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of things. I know you get better prices there. Still don't like it. I like to go in and I like to see what I want. That's what I want. I got it. Now let's go. I don't like to seek, but yet Jesus says, you know what I need from you? I need you to seek. I need you to seek after me. I need you to come after me. I need you to run after me because that's where you're going to find me. I'm going to reward you there. I think some of us forget sometimes that we're seekers. That we're supposed to be seekers of God. Zacchaeus sought to see the Lord and when he did, the Lord saw him. The Lord saw him, and not only did he see him, but he called him by his name. Now, Zacchaeus does not mean what you think it means. It doesn't mean you filthy little cheating tax collector, money manipulator, mean to people kind of person. That's not what the name Zacchaeus means. The name Zacchaeus actually means pure and innocent one. The town was proclaiming quite a bit about Zacchaeus, and Jesus said, I know exactly who you are, when he began to seek him. He called him by his name, and he said, quick, now I must be a guest in your home. And here is where it gets just the least bit tricky. The least bit tricky. Zacchaeus sought to see him. He sought to stop him. And now Jesus is about to flip the tables on him because he is going to seek to stay with him. He is going to seek to stay there. And he says to him, Zacchaeus, you little pure and innocent boy, you, I'm coming to your house today. And this is where intimacy kind of meets the rubber meeting the road. Because if you call me today and you say, I'm coming to your house, I'm going to say, no, you ain't coming to my house today. There's too much dog hair on my floor. There are some dishes in my sink. My bed has not been made. My trash probably hasn't been emptied. Never mind closets in my house, right? And Jesus is like, mm -mm, I'm coming to, you, to your house. And Zacchaeus said, all right. He took him at his word. He jumped down and he ran home and let him come home with him. The very first thing that sin tries to do in our lives is separate us from God. And if we're looking at hide and go seek, if we're not seeking God, more often than not, we are hiding from him. We're hiding our stuff. We're hiding our anger. We're hiding our disappointments. We're hiding our confusion about life. We're hiding our sin and our habits and our pornography and our gluttony. We're hiding our gossip. We got it all tucked away in some neat little place, and it doesn't show up here. And we come here, and we don't really expect to have eyes to eyes with God. 
we come here and we can say all the right things and sing all the right things and hear all the right things and have all of the right conversations. But you know where he wants to live? He wants to live in your closet with you. He wants to be at home in your closet where you've got all those things tucked away, hidden away. Things that you're too embarrassed for him to know, too embarrassed to mention. He wants to stay with you. He wants to call out of you who you are, and then he just wants to spend his days with you. Knowing you. There's not a lot I love about aging. I really don't love my waist size. I really don't love the size of my pants. That would probably be what I would just really not like the most. I don't love the wrinkles. I actually have gray hair now coming through. Yep, lots of things that, that I don't love. But one of the things that I do love is that I've got some stories about staying. Stories about staying Staying with Jesus, staying in relationships, staying with my children, staying with my calling, staying with the things that I desire and am believing for. I've got some longevity and some history there. Things I couldn't have really talked about when I was 21. Oh, I was believing for them and I was holding on to them. Because there was some sort of curiosity in this little nine-year-old girl when she got born again that wanted more at nine. I wanted more at 13. I wanted more at 15. Even though I found myself in the back seat of cars on multiple occasions, I wanted more with the Lord. Even at 20 when I couldn't quite figure out my bank account and how to spend money and how to keep up with an ATM and, and all of the things that just would consume me with, with lust, just I still wanted more. When I didn't have to, to pick and choose who I was dating, but decided I would wait on God to send a mate, it was because I wanted more. And the same thing has been true for every other story, all the stories that y'all know about. Mark and I's marriage, I wanted more. I didn't want to throw in the towel. I wanted more. Didn't want to throw in the towel when I got a diagnosis that wasn't good. I wanted more. When my children have disappointed me, I didn't want to throw in the towel and say, oh, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. No, I wanted more, and I pressed them to want more. And I walk in the reward and the fruit of that. And there are, there are rewards and fruit that await you in the exact same way. Stay. Let him stay with you. Stop using excuses. Let him stay. I don't care how many times you've messed up. I don't care what your story looks like. I don't care. I don't care if you have robbed a bank. I don't care if you have cut somebody off in traffic. I don't care if you're a teenager who has gotten pregnant. I don't care if you have ran away from home and left your parents. I don't care if you've been divorced three and four times. I don't care if you are addicted right now to porn or alcohol or food or um, just whatever the issue may be. I really don't care what the issue may be. Seek him and stay with him and watch what happens. Give yourself some longevity. Put some skin in the game. Put some skin in the game with him. Zacchaeus climbed down. He took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Next. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Keep going. 
Let's not worry about people. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood. The real Zacchaeus stood. He sought to stay. He sought to stop. He sought to see. And now here he is standing, the real him. There is a real you who Jesus wants to have manifested here on this planet, the you that was here before you ever got here that he said was there before the foundations of the earth. That's who he called Zacchaeus. And then the little cheat and the thief, he ended up saying, once Jesus was staying with him, he ended up saying, here I am. I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'm going to give it back to them four times as much. Because Zacchaeus chose, despite his imperfection, despite his trauma, despite his problem, because he chose that day to get out of his office, not find Jesus walking by a window, but go down there, realize he was too short, run up a tree, let Jesus come home with him, have some intimate conversation. Because of that, the real Zacchaeus stood up. There is a real you sitting in this room, a real you who Jesus knew before the foundations of heaven that has nothing to do with your past, but everything to do with who he has created you to be. And he's waiting to see that. And I'm at a stage right now in my life where seeking is once again an important, important thing to me. That's why I'm kind of dishing it out to you today. It doesn't go away. God is alive and active and moving. Your situations are alive and active and moving. And if you want the fullness for all the days of your life, Mark asked me on my three-year a couple weeks ago, he said, what would you tell people? What do you want to tell them? I'm like, live fully, live fully. Stop living just this half-hearted, half-kind-of-stepping relationship with God, with people, with things, with your children, with your family. Live fully. So I've got this whole thing going on in my brain about living fully, living fully fully what that really looks like. For me, it looks like I've got to seek God in this moment. Parenting is the way that I've parented before is coming to a close. My baby girl is about to graduate. My seasons are changing and shifting. So I find myself back in my prayer closet daily, like, God, what? Nothing has changed. I've not changed as far as my calling or my purpose or my, my, my day-to-day identity. But you know what? I don't want to miss whatever it is he wants to do with me in this season or in this next season or with Mark and I or with our children. Times that shift and change should be key moments for you to begin to run towards him and press into him and grab hold of him. Figure it out what it is. Who are you? Who do you want to be to me in this moment? Otherwise, I think we sell out. When we don't live like this, I think we sell out. I think it's what happened to the generation of Noah's days. They knew that they knew that they knew a God. The story stopped being told. The people stopped seeking, and they found themselves in a heap of trouble. And the Bible says it's going to be like that in the last days. There's a scripture in Romans I want to read to you. It says this, But God's angry displeasure erupts as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate as people try to put a shroud over truth. 
But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes. There he is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of his divine being. In other words, he doesn't make it that hard to be seen. Open your eyes, Paul says. Next. So nobody has a good excuse. He's easy to be seen, he said. Nobody has a good excuse. What happened was this. People, that's you, that's me, we're people, knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there were neither sense or direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all. These are not people who have not known him. These are people who have known him and who have seen him. And they began to trivialize themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but they were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hand for cheap figurines that you can buy at any roadside stand. I don't want this to be where I end up. I don't want to end up on the outside of the boat or the outside of the cross or the outside of a relationship with him where I have trivialized my life into some sort of silliness and have made gods out of whatever gods I want them to be. And I've just picked and chosen just all my little things that I think are valuable, that I think have meaning without ever acknowledging him and without ever seeking his face and without saying true to who he is. It's how we end up blinded. We got to put some skin in the game when it comes to seeking him. Several years ago, Stella and I went to San Diego for a gymnastics meet. Now, I know Mark hates San Diego now, but hate is such a strong word. I probably shouldn't say that. Back up. So Mark disdains things that are happening in California. So I went to California, and it was quite beautiful, and I loved it, and I loved being in San Diego. It really is the best zoo ever. My kids laugh at that all the time. Best zoo I've ever been in. It was just really one of the funnest trips. But while we were there, I mean, I'm a South Georgia girl. I've been to Tybee Island and Panama City, right? Tybee Island and Panama City, and I'm in California in San Diego, and I'm at, I'm not going to say it right, La Jolla, is that the name of the beach? Okay, yeah, I'm there. I'm at that beach. That is not how I pronounce it that way. I pronounce it like it was spelled, which is a horrible thing to do when you're there. Don't ever do that. If you look it up, it is not spelled like what it sounds. So, but I'm there. I'm looking at all the seals on the beach. That was great and incredible. And then we start hearing stories of this cave that you could go into that opened up into the ocean. Some of you have traveled way more than I. I had not seen that, right? I mean, it's flat land here in Georgia, and Panama City ain't got no hills either. So I'm like, I can actually go down into a cave and get a site that I've never seen before? Like, where do you do this at? Tell me where to do this at. So Sel and I went to a little side trinket store. It looked like a little hut. And there were cute little trinkets in there. There were pictures of the cave right? Five by seven postcards. There were little snow globes of the cave. 
all kinds of little things that I could find and I could buy. And then on the a little door that looked kind of like that one, no, probably a little tinier, kind of like that one, it just said, tickets here. And I was like, huh, tickets here? And so I was like, yeah, mama, let's go, let's go. I had to buy a ticket. Over the door was a sign that said, please don't come to the cave if you cannot climb back up 247 stairs to get back out. And I'm like, my child is going to make me go down this cave. I know she is. I could buy the postcard. I could buy the snow globe. They probably had a necklace. They probably had a penny you could press with the cave on it. I mean, just all the stuff. I'm sure they, they had it all right there. And I was like, yeah, Stella, I can do that for sure. Let's go. Now, I'm claustrophobic. The further you went down those stairs, the tighter it got. We're ducking heads. We're, I mean, just all the things that were with it. But you know what? When I stepped out and got to see that sight, it was so beautiful. There is no way a postcard could even explain what it looks like to be in the middle of a cave that opens out into the ocean. It was so beautiful and it was so glorious. And some of us, I think, trade. We, 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 we make trades for cheaper things in life. It's just not worth the effort. It's not worth the money. It's not worth the sweat, the blood, the tears to actually know him. And we trade him in for things that we think are soothing to us. And in the end, they're deceptive. And they leave us without and with lack. Band, I'm going to ask you to come on up while we get ready to close and get ready to do communion. We are to be seekers, people. I want to read a final scripture to you as the band is coming. In Psalms, the Bible says this, Oh God, you are my God. I long for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, yes, the sanctuary I've seen you, I've witnessed your power and your splendor because of experiencing your loyal love is better than life itself. My lips will praise you. For this reason, I will praise you while I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. As with choice meat, you satisfy my soul. My mouth joyfully praises you whenever I remember you on my bed and think about you during the nighttime hours. For you are my deliverer. Under your wings I will rejoice. My soul pursues you and your right hand upholds me. That's the kind of people that I want to be. And it's the kind of people that I want you to be. I don't want you to li live in lack. I don't want you to live outside of the ark or outside of the cross or outside of his returning. He's got some good stuff for you people. Good stuff. There are people in this room who've got some good stuff inside you. Dig deep. Dig deep. Don't let the enemy rob from you. Keep your eyes on the prize. Be willing to do what it takes to know him. Don't be content with me knowing him, or my mama knowing him, or Mark knowing him. You know him. Go eye to eye with him. You know, that real uncomfortable space 
when there's not a lot of words and you're just looking eye to eye. Go to that spot with him. Let him into those spaces. Stand to your feet this morning. We're going to get ready for communion. Our giving baskets are up front for those of you who call this place your home and want to give.